I would say focusing on your website copy would be my top recommendation. Um, I've seen people who have like one sentence on their homepage <laughs> and that is not giving Google enough information to know what to rank you for. It's also not giving your like potential clients any information at all. So making sure that you have enough website copy, like, you know, at least a few hundred words on a page. You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have Julia, how do you say your last name? (laughs) It's Bocchese. Julia Bocchese. Julia is a Pinterest and SEO superstar. My words, not hers. Um, And we actually met on Instagram about a year ago and met in person finally in September. And I'm finally getting her on the pod. So uh, Julia, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So um, you do SEO, you do Pinterest. Can you tell me a little bit like how you got into that and sort of what your business looks like today? Because I'm sure that wasn't like... (laughs) popping out of preschool dream. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Um, Yeah. So I'm self-taught with both of them. I started a travel blog about seven years ago, I want to say six and a half, seven years ago. Um, So I actually learned SEO, marketing, social media, you know, everything with that. And then when I wanted to quit my job to become a freelancer about five years ago, a little over five years ago, I was doing like a lot of content writing for small businesses, a lot of marketing. And then I kind of realized that people didn't know what SEO was when I was writing their content and like it was starting to rank well on Google. So that's when I started transitioning into focusing on SEO and Pinterest. Um, And then I was doing like Facebook and Instagram management for a while, but I hated it. (laughs) So I dropped those and then just focused on the search engines. I was actually talking to someone um, for another podcast interview and we were talking about how it feels like everyone starts out as a social media manager Mm -hmm. and then kind of figures out their own little area of marketing or, Mm -hmm. you know, online business from there. But it's so funny where I feel like everyone's like, oh, I wanted to quit my job. So I started doing social media management and then I realized I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this was right around the time when like Instagram really started changing their algorithms like every week. And I was just like, this is annoying. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I feel like you have to really love Instagram Mm -hmm. to be an Instagram manager. And I certainly don't love Instagram (laughs) that much. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I feel like something I do notice though about your content is, you know, when I talk to a lot of people, they're like, oh, I hate showing up on social media. I hate Mm -hmm. being on Instagram. I hate this. I hate that. But then they don't really have like a backup plan. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like your main thing is like SEO and Pinterest and like having everything be optimized and your leads come from Google, but you're still always very consistent in showing up on social. Is there like a trick to that? Is it just something that you like? Is it something that you manage to streamline? Like, give me the secret and let some of that rub off on me. (laughs) Yeah. So on Instagram, I do the absolute bare minimum and I have done the bare minimum since I started like my own account a few years ago. I post two times a week and then I show up on stories when I feel like it, which most of the time I'm just posting photos of my dog just to like (laughs) be active on social media. But yeah, and I reuse like all of my content on Instagram. Like 
I've had some posts that I've been reusing for probably three years and I kind of just like update or tweak it. Um, but yeah, I have everything very streamlined, very basic. I have not done any Instagram reels. I think I've maybe done like one Instagram live once, but I, <laughs> I do the bare minimum to kind of like, you know, stay active and like stay connected with people. But yeah, it's, it's really not much. <laughs> Is it, I'm assuming not a very big source of leads for you, or do you feel like you're getting some ROI on that bare minimum? It's really interesting. I have gotten a lot of um, leads from Instagram, but it's typically not people who have been following me. It's like people who I think are searching in Instagram for like SEO people. And they come across like, I don't know if they're searching for hashtags or like, you know, Mm -hmm. account names or something like that. So they come across my account, they message me and they're like, oh, I need SEO help. And then set up a call and go from there. So it's not actually a lot of times people who have been following me. It's people who kind of like use Instagram to, I guess, find my services. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one reason why I do try to stay like fairly active on Instagram. So, you know, I am reaching those people who are like maybe searching hashtags or, you know, however they're finding me that way. That's actually really interesting. I think, um, you know, on the Propagy Instagram account, we recently like archived everything and only have like nine or 15 posts so that it's like, if someone does search for LinkedIn, they'll come across our stuff. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a trend moving towards that and kind of away from this like personal brand personality based version of Instagram that I think like the Instagram algorithm is trying to push Mm -hmm. us to be. Um, So I think it's interesting that like, as an SEO person, you can still find success on Instagram because you're kind of using it for its own SEO mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, enough about Instagram. Let's talk about <laughs> the messy middle that this podcast is supposed to be about. <laughs> so you quit your job around five years ago, you said, to start mm-hmm. freelancing and you've been in your business for five years. Mm-hmm. When did you feel or did you notice a time when you stopped feeling like a beginner and started being like, I know my shit. This is my jam. Like I am, you know, cool, calm and collected Yeah, <laughs> or, or not. <laughs> but like, do yeah. you feel like you ever had that transition? I would say, I think I kind of like made that transition happen. Mm-hmm. So I, so it's also complicated because I didn't start freelancing to have a business. I started freelancing in order to have a flexible schedule to go to grad school for history, which has nothing to do with business whatsoever. So I was in grad school for two years and kind of like near, you know, the end where, or in the second year, we have to kind of decide what you're going to do. I was debating between applying for PhD programs or like really, you know, diving into my business and like making it a business. Um, So ultimately, obviously I chose my business, (laughs) which I do not regret. But I think I, at that point is like, all right, if I'm going to, you know, make this into like a true business, then, you know, that's when I kind of like made myself have that transition where I really started focusing on figuring things out and making sure I had, you know, processes streamlined, you know, was an expert in my field and all that thing. You think it maybe made it a little bit easier to figure out the transition out of being a beginner because when you were a beginner, you had something else. I think that's something that Mm -hmm. I felt a lot like when I was in grad school and like something didn't go well or I had a client that sucked or something was like just being weird. I would just be like, oh, it's okay. Like I'm just freelancing till I figure things out. And then once I graduated, I was like, no, this has to be a real business now because I don't Mm -hmm. have like that student title to fall back on anymore. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you had a similar experience? 
Yeah. So definitely because I thought I was going to have some sort of history career. So like I didn't really, I mean, I, I, I'm the type of person where I'm like very organized and have, you know, most things figured out in like business processes, but yeah, having something that I thought was going to be the main focus, I didn't focus as much on my business as, you know, I did after I made that decision. Mm-hmm. Now that you've maybe crossed that threshold into a more structured, less messy, <laughs> messy middle, um, can you think of any like seemingly rookie mistakes or like messy moments that you can share like since that time where you've <laughs> looked back and been like, oh God, I, sh- I should have known better than this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely a lot. <laughs> um, I would say definitely at the beginning, I did not have very good boundaries with clients. And so every time kind of like something happened where like, I did not like that, or I thought, you know, someone crossed the line, um, you know, I would add a boundary like in a contract or, you know, in some sort of communication with a client. But one thing I was doing, I'm like, I can't believe I did this. Um, I would do calls with clients like over the phone. So they had my phone number basically. And someone added me into a group text with like a bunch of people. I had no idea, you know, he's just like, texting a bunch of people promoting his services. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then I was stuck in this group text forever and I was just very angry about it. I don't like, you know, people texting me unsolicited and, you know, all this stuff. So after that point, I was like, nope, it's going to be Zoom only. Most of the time it's audio over Zoom. So that way I'm not on video because I hate being on video too. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, and especially like with the pandemic, everyone got sick of being on video. Like, so everyone's like, oh my God, I love that you're doing audio over Zoom. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's mostly for me, but I'm glad other pe- people appreciate <laughs> it too. But now no, none of my clients have my phone number. No one can text me, call me, nothing. They can only communicate over email. That's really nice. I mm-hmm. definitely like have been on both sides of that spectrum where like clients have had so much access to me. Mm-hmm. And then I think I pulled back maybe a little bit too far and had too many like walls in between me and my clients. Um, I don't know if I've told this story on here or just other places, but I had an account manager named Kayla and people would just email her instead mm-hmm. of me. And like my autoresponder was like, oh, email Kayla. Like that's how you access me. And then Kayla left. And I just pretended to be Kayla for like six (laughs) more months because it was just nice to like put people somewhere else, Mm -hmm. give myself the space to like respond. You know, if I get an email on the weekend or whatever, like, oh, Kayla doesn't work on the weekend. So she doesn't tell me about them. Mm -hmm. And like that was maybe a little bit too far in the opposite direction. (laughs) And now I'm like finding my own like middle ground where it's like, okay, like we're talking about this thing on Instagram, but like, let's move it over to my actual work email so that Mm -hmm. I don't lose track of it and feeling more confident in like having that boundary as you know, it helps me provide a better experience for Mm -hmm. my clients, but it also helps me provide a better experience for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely had people text me about like project information over text. And I'm like, I'm going to forget about this. Like this needs to be on my email so I can like find it and search it easily. Yeah. I'm lucky. I don't forget about stuff that happens over email. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when it came to deciding to go into your business full time and like really, you know, not doing the history thing anymore, Mm -hmm. was there any specific like marketing tool or even just like system tool or tactic that you used to kind of really ramp things up and take it to the next level? Or were you able to just take that increased capacity and increased focus time to really like double down on your business? Yeah, I don't think there's any particular tool. 
I think once I kind of like figured out that's what I was going to be focusing on, I reworked my packages and my pricing because I was doing like kind of a lot of like one-off small pieces of SEO. Like someone was trying to pay me like a hundred dollars just to like compress a few images or something like that. I'm like, that's not worth my time. And that's not a lot of money. Um, So things like that, where I stopped doing, you know, just like these tiny pieces of SEO and like, you know, really focusing on, you know, optimizing a full website and giving the client the full, you know, experience and also the benefits of that. Um, So it was both, you know, for me, but also for the client. So they would actually have a better opportunity to rank higher rather than if you just do one little part of SEO and that might fix like one little problem, but that's not going to do much in the long run. Yeah. And especially because SEO is such a long game. Mm -hmm. I know. So for me, I've really struggled with focusing on SEO. Um, I first started focusing on SEO when I met you and I enrolled Mm -hmm. in the course. (laughs) And then I made my biggest messy middle mistake of (laughs) at least that month and just completely broke my website. You know this. Our listeners do not. I, um, for any, like, I guess, tech people, I like reset the Z index on all of my like images and text and everything. And it brought them all up to the same layer. Nothing was where it was supposed to be. And it was a disaster. And I haven't really focused on SEO <laughs> because we do have is... a pretty website now, at least. Thank you. HaleyEJohnson.com. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> because it is such a long game, it's so easy to put it on the back burner, say you'll work mm-hmm. on it next week, say you'll work on it next time. Do you have any, I guess, two-part question? Like, is there um, maybe like a minimum time that you can expect to start looking out for results other than just like, it's a long game. And do you have any like incentive or <laughs> motivation for those of us out there like me who just keep putting off SEO because we need to focus on a more remedial, mm-hmm. a more immediate ROI? Yeah. So in terms of kind of like seeing results, it completely varies. I think it mostly has to do with kind of like how your site is currently functioning and you know what's going on with it um and also your competition so it's if it's easier or harder to outrank your competition you know that can take a while or not long at all i have worked with clients where they started seeing results within a week um Mm -hmm. where they started ranking higher because they don't have they had lower competition and just like making a small you know a few small tweaks like had a huge impact Whereas some larger sites that I've worked on that maybe had more competition, needed more help, it took, you know, probably a couple months to really start to see the results and start climbing in the rankings. And then I'll say for brand new websites who, you know, you you haven't launched your site before, you know, it's a new domain and everything like that, it's going to take a while. (laughs) A lot of times I see that Google isn't even like crawling or indexing a brand new site for at least like a month or two. So that means that's a month or two where you're not being seen on Google at all, like not even on page, you know, 10 or 20 or something like that. Um, So brand new sites can take a while to be crawled by Google and also build up that trust with Google. And then in terms of like, if you've been putting it off, (laughs) it's never too late. I actually posted about this on Instagram, I think last week. But one thing I did, I hosted this in-person workshop like three and a half years ago charged I think 30 35 dollars had like five people there (laughs) but one of those people just hired me like two weeks ago to optimize her website so like she waited three and a half years before (laughs) (laughs) deciding to actually get her website optimized she had like done some of the things that she had learned from you know the workshop but hadn't like you know really 
you know, dove into SEO. So she realized after three and a half years that she wasn't going to get it done. So then she (laughs) (laughs) passed it off to me. So it's never too late. Um, You are definitely going to get the results if you start now rather Mm -hmm. than if you wait three and a half years. Yeah, it's never too late to start with optimization. Now, I know you said that like you no longer do those little bits and pieces of Mm -hmm. optimization for other people. But if someone maybe just wanted like a little nugget to give themselves and maybe see a little bit of improvement before diving into a bigger project or hiring someone to do, you know, a longer term um, Mm -hmm. SEO project for them, are there maybe like one or two key things that most people have on their site that's like really messing up their SEO that they could like change and see a small amount of change quickly? I would say focusing on your website copy would be my top recommendation. Um, I've seen people who have like one sentence on their homepage Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that is not giving Google enough information to know what to rank you for. It's also not giving your like potential clients any information at all. So making sure that you have enough website copy, like, you know, at least a few hundred words on a page. Um, Also making sure a lot of people talk about like, you know, keywords and finding the right keywords and things like that which is definitely beneficial. You want to make sure you're, you know, targeting keywords that people are actually searching for. But then I find that once people find these keywords, they don't actually use them. So I was just optimizing a wedding photographer's website and she never once said on her homepage that she's a wedding photographer. If you don't use that keyword, you're not going to rank for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it seems very common sense, but it's like you, you need to tell Google what you know, to rank you for. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, if you're location specific business, so like if you're a Philadelphia wedding photographer, you need to say you're a Philadelphia wedding photographer. Like Google's not going to like put it together that they think you're located in Philadelphia and use the word wedding photographer and, you know, put that together for you. Um, You need to be like very clear, very explicit. And also for potential clients. So they know (laughs) where you're located. So if they're in California and they're not trying to hire you, if you're not, you know, serving people in California. Right. So that's actually good news because it sounds like, you know, the tech stuff, like what I messed up, (laughs) isn't necessarily the low hanging fruit when it comes to Mm -hmm. making small but meaningful changes to your website. So if you're sitting out there thinking like, oh, I'm not tech savvy enough for SEO. Mm -hmm. Well, you could take a minute to like research some keywords, infuse them into your copy and Mm -hmm. change that way before you know, diving into a bigger SEO project where you can let a professional handle the tech stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I would say a lot of times I don't see huge tech issues with um, like small websites, unless you know that you've broken something. (laughs) Um, Probably the worst I've seen that was like a super easy change is someone had a website and somehow they had marked all of their pages as no index, which Mm -hmm. meant they were telling Google not to look at their website. Um, so they weren't ranking because they were they were telling Google not to look at their website. So right. by like removing that bit of code, that you know changed and you know Google was able to look at their website and rank them. So if it's something like that where it's like the code is blocking Google from you know looking at your website, this does not happen very often. This was like one person that I've worked with out of mm-hmm. I don't know how many. <laughs> Um, but it could be, you know, something technical like that, but most of the time it's not. 
Awesome. So earlier you had said, you know, you started out with social media, you didn't want to offer social media anymore, and then really honed in on your packages and pricing for SEO and Pinterest, which we haven't really talked about Pinterest yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to creating packages, pricing packages, deciding what offers to keep and what offers to, you know, send to your offer graveyard, Mm -hmm. what does that process look like for you kind of when you're looking at your workload and your options that you have for people to work with you? I think a lot of times it comes down to what um, I feel like people need in the moment. So I probably haven't sent any packages to the graveyard lately, but I probably need to look at them again. But I feel like my packages are fairly straightforward, but I have added on some new packages. So like one is specifically for brand new websites um, because they don't need as much, especially technical work. If it's a brand new website, they likely don't have a million broken links. <laughs> um, so like having a package specifically for new websites that isn't as comprehensive as my larger SEO package because they don't need that. And then last month, I think I uh, launched a new Pinterest service that's kind of like half DIY, half management um, because I've been finding more and more people they want to do Pinterest themselves, but they're overwhelmed with just the getting started piece. Mm -hmm. So I do like, you know, the setup, create templates, um, and then we have like a strategy call to, you know, create a strategy for them, help them going forward and things like that. So that way they have everything set up and ready to go. And then, you know, they can take it over themselves. Um, Because I've been finding a lot of people are interested in the more DIY option. So I just launched that service last month. So yeah, I probably haven't killed any packages lately, but kind of like as I'm finding, you know, what people are interested in or what they need, if they don't need like my more comprehensive packages, then I kind of launch a new service off of that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as long as you have the workflows and the like bandwidth to support all of those different packages, which Mm -hmm. I know you're a very organized person, so that (laughs) doesn't strike me as something you struggle with. Mm -hmm. I don't think that like I feel like there was a trend for a while where it was like you have one offer for one person at one price mm-hmm. point and like you never deviate from that. And I think we're definitely heading into a zone where people have a lot more options, a lot more flexibility, a lot more different access points to work with you. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you're able to manage that, you know, on your own end, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Now on the, I guess on the back end, but specifically on the Pinterest side of things, what does your team look like? Because I feel like, I know you've mentioned having some people on your team, mm-hmm. but I also feel like you do a lot of it yourself. It's <laughs> like, you got it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you talk about your team a little bit or what any experience you've had hiring team members has been like? Yeah, so my team is pretty small and it's just contractors. I do not have employees. I don't think I want to ever <laughs> have employees and have to deal with that. But right now I have, consistently two Pinterest contractors and one SEO contractor. Sometimes I'll bring on a second one for um, other projects, but for Pinterest, they actually do, I would say the bulk of the work. I do most of the like strategy, you know, setting up keyword research, that kind of thing. But then they do the, most of the actual management for my clients. And then in terms of SEO, that is something I have not really passed off much yet especially because SEO is so nuanced and it's so specific to every single website. Like you can't just do the same thing for, you know, every website that you work with. Um, So I've only passed off kind of like smaller tasks with my SEO projects. So doing a lot of more basic things like 
image alt text or like updating product descriptions with fresh keywords and that kind of thing. Um, but for SEO, I am doing probably like 90%, 95% of the projects. Awesome. This week's episode of Messy in the Middle is sponsored by Thought Leaders Collective. Are you so sick of Facebook groups, totally over Instagram pods, looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly, bullshit that comes with the online space? Then boy, do I have the thing for you. Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn, strategic planning to get you laser-focused, and a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. When it comes to handing off some of the doing after you've done the strategy for Pinterest, um, what did the process look like for you to figure out how to hand that off? Because I know when I was in more of like an agency style with my business, something I really struggled with was getting like the nuance and the like thought process that turned into the strategy from like the Mm -hmm. client meetings and getting that across to the people on my team so that they understood it. And it wasn't like I had to constantly explain like why things were happening. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you figure out how to relay that to your (laughs) Pinterest support team? (laughs) Yeah, I would say I focused on finding contractors that were experienced with Pinterest. So they're not just like, you know, someone who's brand new to Pinterest and is like trying to start, you know, a Pinterest business and is working for me or something like that. Mm -hmm. They have their own businesses. So they're like very familiar with Pinterest. They, you know, are keeping up with like all the trends because they have their own Pinterest clients and things like that. So it was definitely easier to kind of like work with them, tell them, you know, about my processes and kind of they understand things that I didn't need to really explain, like how Pinterest works or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, it is more expensive to, you know, hire someone who is more experienced and like has their own business. Um, But since they're like kind of my first hires, that's, you know, that was something I wanted to do is find someone who was more experienced and I didn't have to like, you know, train and watch over Um, because yeah, for SEO, I haven't quite found someone who's like super experienced to be able to like, pass off a bunch of stuff 
I do. I actually, I know a lot of experienced SEO people, but they're just so busy that <laughs> they wouldn't, you know, have time to like help me out with projects and things like that. So Pinterest has been a little easier to find, you know, contractors who are experienced that I, you know, easy to work with and things like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think something that I've noticed in, um, this was like a trend I was reading about, maybe not maybe trend isn't the right word, but like with developers, it can be difficult to find like a developer that also speaks designer and isn't Mm -hmm. just like, I don't know, I write code, the thing comes out, like that's the end of it. So when you're able to find a developer who's able to get that good, like right brain, left brain mix, they're Mm -hmm. very busy, they're very expensive, they're very high in demand. And I kind of feel like SEO might be like, the writer's version of that, where like mm-hmm. finding someone who understands the strategy, understands, you know, the like concepts, but then also understands like working with women in business and like working in the way that like we've built our businesses, I think maybe is a little bit easier to find in Pinterest and maybe a mm-hmm. little bit harder in SEO because there's still more of that like it just is how it is and it doesn't need to make sense and I don't need to explain <laughs> it to you and like it's over. No shade to any developers out there. I've just had some weird experiences on Upwork (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm projecting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, developers, I I find are hit or miss. I find a lot of times that hiring developers for one-off projects, I've done that a lot of times and they're great. Um, But sometimes people who have like a developer on their team, they are definitely focused on like, you know, their, their role and not so much like design or SEO or something like that, because they've been hired specifically for this one role. And then that can uh, cause some friction sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to ask, and if you don't want to talk about this, we don't talk about this, but I wanted to ask some like maternity leave Mm -hmm. questions. Okay. So as we speak, you are heading into um, (laughs) taking your maternity leave. Yeah. When it came to preparing for maternity leave, or I guess even rewinding further, like realizing that you were going to have to take a maternity leave. Did you feel like calm, cool and collected? Like I'm going to be so ready for this. Or was it like an, Oh, should I have to figure out how to make this work? (laughs) Kind of a moment. I think probably somewhere in between because I started planning for maternity leave before, like I was, you know, even pregnant. Um, So I saved up a bunch of money specifically for maternity leave. And then I started hiring, you know, the Pinterest contractors that I work with, I think a little over a year ago, because, you know, both for pre-planning for maternity leave, but also just like, because my workload was, you know, getting pretty heavy. Um, So it kind of killed two birds with one stone. So there's still a lot that I (laughs) had to figure out aside from like, you know, kind of like passing off work and things like that. It's been interesting, especially this past month, um, kind of like getting the last pieces together because I'm I'm going on maternity leave in two weeks mm-hmm. and projects that I thought were going to be finished months ago still aren't so I've had to like hire on an SEO contractor to like you know finish those projects while I'm out there were some things with like weird Pinterest glitches this month that like you know I had to deal with and kind of like also be like, oh, there might be glitches while I'm out. So my team members need to also, you know, know how to like communicate that to my clients and, you know, get the information from my clients and things like that. So I'm also like super organized. So I feel like I have prepared probably more than I need to at this point, but I also feel like there might be things that come up that I haven't thought about. So it's a weird thing planning for something 
where you're going to be out for a while and Mm -hmm. you have no idea what's going to happen while you're gone. Yeah. Are you planning on like checking out completely and like going off, like off grid for your maternity leave? Or do you think you're still going to have like a finger on the pulse and like see what's Mm -hmm. going on, checking emails and stuff like that, but not like an obligation to work? Yeah. I I feel like I'm probably going to have to check my email. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm I'm definitely not going to be like, I'm not replying to emails. Mm -hmm. I have, I have written out email scripts for my team members to, you know, know how to reply to client questions and whatever. Um, So unless there's some like weird, crazy emergency or like for some reason, my invoicing system is bouncing everyone's payments or, you know, Mm -hmm. something crazy like that. um, I'm planning on being pretty checked out for probably at least two months and then kind of like seeing how I feel at that point. Well, this episode, so we're recording in July, obviously you know that, but our listeners don't. Um, This episode is going to come out, I think, sometime in September or October. So Mm -hmm. do you have any messages for future Julia? (laughs) (laughs) Either post maternity leave or like in the thick of maternity leave. Like, do you want to make any predictions? Do you want to give yourself any advice? (laughs) Um, I don't even know. Advice? try to sleep who knows (laughs) it's yeah this is my first kid so I have like I have no idea what you know what to expect from a newborn yeah probably take as much time as I need one of my fears is definitely like coming back to my business and then like you know everyone's kind of forgotten about me (laughs) so like trying to get new business is something that I've been like thinking about so hopefully when I come back there will be people at least waiting for me or like have sent inquiries while I'm out or something like that. So, well, hopefully everyone who listens to this episode <laughs> is like, let's have Julia do my SEO. She's yeah. back now people. Um, <laughs> so thinking about that, like coming back from maternity leave and also looking at your workflows and your schedule kind mm-hmm. of now, or maybe like before you started, you know, this month was a little crazy preparing for maternity leave. What does your like work week look like? now and what do you mm-hmm. I know you can't plan for anything with a newborn but like what do you envision <laughs> that looking like post maternity leave mm-hmm. like do you want to return back to what you're doing right now or do you kind of like anticipate taking a more slow approach once you return mm-hmm. I think I'll probably take a slow approach to returning at least for like the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, but I do want to come back to like you know kind of what I've been doing what my schedule's like I I really don't work like eight hours a day, you know, right. like a full work day. Um, I like having the flexibility, like I'm going to go grocery shopping, you know, sometime this afternoon. Um, and also with um, being pregnant, it has kind of lessened my workload, like forcibly, because I have just been so tired and like not sleeping. So this morning I had to take a nap before mm-hmm. I got to work, which um, I don't like not diving into work first thing in the morning. <laughs> so Waking up and taking a nap is such a vibe though. Like that's how my dog must feel every day. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I slept on the couch with my dog the whole time. I don't think she moved at all. I was like, (laughs) this is what you do all the time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think I will come back to kind of like around what my schedule has been. Um, I usually like will have very focused work, I would say for probably like four hours And then, you know, fill the rest of the time with like marketing or planning or, you know, this month specifically planning out maternity leave, that kind of thing. The one thing I'm not too sure about is my call schedule when I come back, because I have no idea what the 
baby's nap schedule is going to be like. <laughs> so um, I probably might not schedule calls for, you know, unless, unless I do get like childcare pretty early on. So I don't have to have like a screaming baby in the background or something like that. Because right now I only do calls like two days a week. So it might just be one day a week. I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, fortunately, I think the one thing that COVID has given all of us is like a lot more patience with other people and like Mm -hmm. having things on in the background. I remember like when I was in college and they were telling us like preparing for like video interviews for jobs, mm-hmm. make sure your background is pristine, like no <laughs> cords, no smudges, like mm-hmm. tell your parents not to walk through. And now it's like, oh, my boyfriend yep. says hi. And like <laughs> my dog's barking and that's just life. And mm-hmm. I do think that that's something that we've been able to give each other a lot more grace for after mm-hmm. COVID. And so if you do have a screaming baby, I know I will still <laughs> happily sit on that call with you. <laughs> Thanks. So finally, before we go, I just wanted to ask about the entrepreneurship meetup that you Mm -hmm. host and that I go to. Can you just talk a little bit about how it started and how you got to be the one hosting it? (laughs) Yeah. So let's see, I think it started two or three years ago. No, probably three years ago. I think it was before the pandemic, but it started as like a mastermind group for people local to Philly, specifically um, like small business owners. I think most everyone in the group was like a full-time business owner because we met like during the day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I started it just because I didn't know many people who had businesses in Philly who were like around my age. I went to like some networking, you know, groups and it's like all like 50 year old men. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, this isn't my jam. So it continued and went virtual, like through the pandemic and then kind of like towards the end of, or towards, I think mid 2021, um, I think people were really sick of Zoom. (laughs) So um, we kind of like made it into like this more casual meetup that it is, you know, today. And now today we're, you know, meeting back in person, but that way people like didn't feel, you know, pressure to join. And then people had, you know, a lot of like things opening back up after, you know, the pandemic ended. So it's been through some transitions, but um, yeah, it's just kind of been a way to now, since it's like the more casual meetup, a way to just talk business casually. There's no like agenda. Yeah. Um, it's really nice just to just need to rant. Like yeah. you can do whatever. <laughs> nice to just get to leave the house and talk to people mm-hmm. who like when you complain about something that's going on in business and their response isn't just like, well, you could get a full-time job. Yeah. Like it's nice to talk to people who get that that's not the vibe. Mm-hmm. I did lie though. I have one more question. <laughs> that's okay. So you taught SEO at Drexel mm-hmm. for how many semesters? Two semesters? Are you still doing it? So I've done one full semester and then I've been a guest lecturer at uh, Temple for I think about a year. Okay. So how did you get into that? What was that process like for you? And do you have any mm-hmm. advice for anyone? out there who is interested in, you know, doing some type of academic work that's not like trying to become like a tenure track Mm -hmm. fancy professor. Yeah. So I got started because um, I knew someone who was teaching a web development class at Drexel. Um, So she brought me in for a few of her classes to talk about like the SEO side, the technical parts of um, web development and things like that. Um, And then she connected me with, you know, the department head 
because they didn't have an SEO class at the time. So she, you know, connected me with him to kind of like start up this SEO class. And then it was, it got kind of crazy because it was during 2020. <laughs> so then they um, have like redone the schedule. So they're bringing it back, I think in the spring and hopefully I will have childcare by then. <laughs> but I would say, I think it's easy to find kind of like lecturing positions with like marketing and things like that. Or like, you know, I know we have a mutual friend, Sarah DeGeorge, who does a lot of like guest lecturing at different universities. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder to like, create your own course or something like that. Drexel is like very tech focused. So that's why they were interested, but like your average university might not be super interested if you are like in more like marketing or web development or web design or something like that. So I would say if you are interested, you know, and you are in like a more technical or marketing kind of field, probably trying to find a university that would be interested because also around here, I was kind of like checking out different uh, departments to see who, you know, might also be interested in having an SEO class. And there aren't many. <laughs> there are a lot of universities, I was surprised, that don't have like any sort of like business department or business classes or something like that. Um, so you may have to do a little research if you are interested in kind of like, you know, teaching a full class on something that uh, is not being currently offered. Um, how do you feel like pros and cons about teaching like at an actual university versus creating an online course and selling mm-hmm. it or doing it live that way? Like, do you feel like a greater sense of satisfaction over one or the other? Is there any like preference or do you like having both? I think they're different. I will say for selling like the courses that I have to small business owners, they're way more invested because they will get the ROI, you know, if they start ranking on higher, their business is going to start making more money and things like that. Whereas a college student, they aren't as invested. (laughs) Some might be really interested in, you know, a topic because that's what they want their job to be in. So like they will pay attention, but there are a lot of students who I had who were just, you know, would show up um, and not like care that much. Um, (laughs) So I think they're very different audiences. I would say I enjoy both. I enjoy teaching the students who are like very invested and very interested. There were definitely a few students that I had who already had their own websites, like selling like small products or a blog or something like that. So they were a little bit more interested because, you know, they could see how SEO would help, you know, their current websites. Whereas a lot of students, like they weren't going to, you know, continue anything with SEO after the class. So they, Mm -hmm. they were more checked out. (laughs) So (laughs) I would say it's, yeah, it's, I like that Apples both, and oranges. they are different. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and also if you're, if the college students, they are not paying extra for the class. Whereas like, if you're selling a product to a business, you do have to sell more because like, you know, you're trying to get them to pay for whatever. So if you don't like selling, then a college class might be better. But if you do want to work with people who are more invested, I would say like your own course might be a better path. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Mm -hmm. Now tell people where they can find you and hang out more and see your new cute baby. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So my website is Julia Renee Consulting. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn at Julia Bocchese. 
if you, I think if you search Julia Renee Consulting, you can find me on LinkedIn because I know Bocchese is not easy to spell. My maiden name was way easier to spell. <laughs> um, and then if you do want to see my very minimal marketing work on Instagram, you can follow me at Julia Renee Consulting. I do post a lot more dog photos on Instagram than like LinkedIn. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Stick around for next week for another episode of Messy in the Middle. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!